0: Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, chief religion correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Well, recently, a Catholic bookstore in Florida filed a lawsuit against the city of Jacksonville, Florida, for requiring businesses to use customers' preferred pronouns. It's just one of many... Examples popping up throughout the country where the fight for religious beliefs are played out in the courts and particularly over gender and gender identity. You know, the Biden administration's proposed changes to Title IX would mean biological males who identify as women could compete as women in sporting events, which many see as a threat to the integrity of women's athletics. But this episode is actually not about debating the gender issue per se, but about two people who are educating um, others about culture-shaping issues and, and how to put truth and love into action, especially on issues of gender. Their new book helps teach children about what it means to be a girl or a boy, both biblically and scientifically. It's called She is She, a book about your identity, and it's written by Ryan and Bethany Bomberger. Uh, they are the founders of the Radiance Foundation, which I'm quoting here. It um, says it is a faith-based, educational, life-affirming, nonprofit organization The creative ad campaigns, powerful multimedia talks, factivism, journalism. I want to get to that because that's very interesting. <laughs> and compassionate community outreaches. Um, it affirms that every human life has God-given purpose. Welcome to you both. Ryan. Awesome to be with you. It's Thanks for having us. You. It's great. And you know, um I, I I have to preface this by Ryan, I've interviewed you before on a piece about um sort of we, they called it Negro Project Point o, point two. And this was about how the abortion um activists, the Planned Parenthood, actually put um uh abortion clinics in black neighborhoods. Um and that's part of the Margaret Sanger legacy. Um just, just yes. a couple of words about that whole thing, because people don't really understand how Planned Parenthood and the fight for abortion actually began as a, as a means to sort of keep down the black population.
2: Right. I mean, it, it's part of eugenics. Eugenics is a racist and elitist pseudoscience that try to control the population and that's how planned parenthood is born in fact the same ideology the same racist pseudoscience that birthed planned parenthood birthed the holocaust and so here you have in present day in manhattan where planned parenthood is based more black babies are aborted than born alive for every 1000 born alive 1228 are aborted and that has been by historic design and the targeting of the black community by placing almost 80 percent of their abortion facilities in predominantly black neighborhoods is not, you know, by coincidence, it has been a, a target since Margaret Sanger wanted to eliminate those that she considered dysgenic, those yeah. who were born outside of marriage, those who were poor, whether white or black, and specifically poor blacks, and they were heavily targeted and today the heaviest targeted demographic.
0: You know, George Weigel wrote a piece, I think, on First Things or uh, someplace, and he talked about how he was approached by uh, someone, an, an activist from Planned Parenthood, and who was African-American. And he says, do you understand why the African-American population is actually the second largest minority in the United States when they actually should be the first? Is because Planned Parenthood put so many abortion clinics in their neighborhoods that the abortion, that the, the rate of, of, of black births has actually gone down. Um, Absolutely. um, Your your story is unique because people can't see you, um, but you are African-American and you are the product of rape. You have a a unique story. And so you have a unique platform in which to say abortion is wrong. Tell me your story.
2: Absolutely. I actually was... Was born out of the violence of rape as you mentioned i was conceived in rape but i was adopted in love and so i was adopted into an amazing family a mixed family with white black mixed native american vietnamese able disabled family of 15 i have six (laughs) brothers six sisters and 10 of us were adopted i was the first one adopted and obviously went well. So every (laughs) year new flavor added to the family. But, you know, and and I'm mixed, I'm white and black, which is why part of what we do through the Radiance Foundation is just our heart for actual racial reconciliation or even just to just obliterate this whole destructive construct of race because we're one human race. But that's my background. And now I'm married to my best friend right next to me, Bethany, and we have four <laughs> kiddos, two of whom were also adopted. So we're really passionate about adoption, passionate about defending the most marginalized because that was me.
0: Yeah, and I suppose the, 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 the pro-abortion movement, the abortion rights movement, they don't want to hear your story.
2: No, not, not at all. And we learned that early on. One of our first campaigns in Atlanta, where we began, NPR interviewed me for about 45 minutes offline and the story came out three and a half minutes and they didn't mention me at all. And it was the campaign campaign that we created, that we launched the are too many aborted dot com campaign. So I realized really quickly, yeah, a lot of mainstream media have no interest in my story because it defies their fake narrative about who is pro-life.
0: Yeah. You know, so I want to ask you about this book. He, she is she. Um, and, you know, it came across my desk and. Um, it's a very, it's a children's book. I mean, it's there's no doubt about it. It's a children's book. It's about a half an inch thick, you know, and it has all sorts of wonderful <laughs> color pictures in it. Um, but what motivated you and Bethany to write this book? She is she.
1: Yes. Well, for years before becoming a homeschooling mother, I was, um, a school teacher in the public schools. I did private schools, my entire, you know, few, almost a decade and a half was in the school system and, I have witnessed how powerful it is to use literature to talk about really difficult issues. It's a fantastic way to really break through what um, a lot of people would rather not talk about. It's actually pretty fascinating that at this point in history we had to write a book that's called "She Is She" so that we can actually address the issue of the erasure of women in our culture. I do believe even a decade ago we wouldn't have thought that this would even be needed, necessary, or really desired. But now there are so many adults that are saying, how do we talk about this with our children? And Ryan and I, it's our heart to really take the fear uh, that comes with talking about difficult issues and replace it with a confidence that comes when you have a tool and can articulate what the culture has made very difficult, but you can age-appropriately articulate a worldview that, in this case, addresses a really bigger issue.
0: You know, and it's also interesting, too, because even though, you know, this is a book about, you know, she is she and understanding what it means to be biological male or female, it's almost in that category where it could almost be illegal. I mean, you listen to that story about the Catholic Church actually having to fight in court or not having to use somebody's preferred pronouns when they address them in their business. I mean, they're attacking businesses in they, in this way, um, so it's almost like a like it. it mm-hmm. It's almost like it's something that happened. Your book is almost like five years too late, in a sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it, Darn. It, because of Darn. Recent, because yes. of the recent cultural events. I mean, but but right. but but were you just did you just get to the point where you're thinking oh, we can't we have to say something now? Um, and do you afraid? Are you afraid for the backlash? Mm-hmm. Nope. We're not, not fa- afraid of backlash. Nope.
2: I mean, th- we truth do, is powerful. Right. Truth is powerful. And we do everything that we do out of love. First Corinthians 13, 6 says, you know, love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. This is yes. why we do what we do, whether it's, you know, a, a, books that are meant for, for an adult audience or our children's books. Our first book was Pro-Life Kids. And this one, She Is She, is really born out of our own experience here locally. We live in Loudoun County, Virginia, by the way, Lauren. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> so right. you
2: may have heard of Loudoun County. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. And we... We've been involved in these school board meetings and they have, you know, like policy 8040 that basically says we can transition your child. We can affirm their their brokenness and the lie of all this gender radicalism and parents can't know anything about it. So we just got fed up with all of this and we wanted to equip, you know, we want to equip adults to be able to speak the truth about these issues. And that's why the book has different sections. It has one section after the, the all the adorable illustrations and the the rhyme. What does the Bible say? And then there's a section, what does science say? Because science is always reinforcing biblical truths. But then on our website, sheishe.com, there are deeper resources for parents and teens who want to go much deeper into all this gender radicalism so that they can understand what's, being going, or what's going on and they can understand the propaganda mm-hmm. that is so prevalent out
1: there. Right. And the erasure of women that we're seeing, we're looking at statistics that are showing us that there's exponential increase in the thousands. Um, when we look at women who are seeking gender treatment of any kind and gen- gender reassignment surgery, we're seeing that this is an attack on women. And yet at the same time, like you mentioned, it is, um, you know, it's becoming a hate crime to talk about the fact that you were biologically born a woman. And that's something that is undeniable that is something that is beautiful that is something to be celebrated and we're watching too as you know therapists and pastors who have been you know it's been their desire to speak into the root of what is going on that is causing these desired changes they are now fearing for their jobs because if they don't affirm what people are saying that they think is going on with them then it's just uh they're 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 scared to lose their position in their jobs. And we as Christians don't have the luxury of being silent. We don't have the luxury of just being bulldozed by an industry that is targeting our kids at younger and younger ages. And as adults, we have a frame of reference of growing up as females and males, but we're looking at an entire generation that doesn't have that frame of reference. Yeah, and
0: and I think that's gates to the cultural issues. I mean, you talk about that, the cultural, is broken and confused, how did we get there? How did we get to a culture that's confused to the point where the government itself becomes the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the wielded authority in terms mm-hmm. of, of saying you must, be, you must believe this or you must believe that? Mm-hmm. Go for well,
2: me. it's, it's the, not just the erasure of women and girls, it's the erasure of objective truth. And so when you have a culture that's veering further and further away from, from Christianity, from our, the faith that has established so much of this country, it's not hard to understand. Well, if you're veering that far away from the Bible, of course you're going to veer away from the truth. I mean, simple. And then you got medical associations. Let's get, use that as an example. Medical associations that have abandoned science for politics. I mean, to say that you know, gender the. the phrase that is often used gender assigned when you're born no it's not a sign when you're born it's assigned the moment of fertilization our dna determines right whether we are male or female that's scientific fact but now that's now considered transphobic to say that and of course it's absurd so we've had a medical medical associations that have abandoned basic truths our public school systems that have abandoned basic truths. so while like here in virginia while test scores continue to plummet they keep injecting Everything from, you know, critical race theory, queer theory into these classes and our kids can't read and our kids can't achieve in, in, you know, basic history and these these basic subjects. But they know that there are now like 96 plus genders. Of course, it's not true, but that's what they're <laughs> being fed. It's an abandonment. I mean, in order to embrace a transgender ideology, you have to abandon basic science. We have to mangle our language. And we actually have to get to the point where remember when we used to say just say no to drugs it's now just say yes to carcinogenic drugs that harm your natural biology. And
1: all of this has gone to the dismantling of family. Yes. You know, there's biblically, we see the systems that Christ has laid out for us that really allow us to have successful societies really healthy citizens. And so you had mentioned the government. The government wanted to take the place of families. Mm -hmm. That's why we've seen this, you know, what welfare has done on a large scale. We're watching to what has happened because abortion has been uh, made so readily available and then has allowed there to be opportunity for men to walk away. We've watched as marriages and families, which should be the bedrock of our society, become dismantled. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it just is a huge open door for massive confusion. And so this, what we're seeing, is actually not surprising. If we were to take an eagle-eye look and fly up and see where things have been headed for a while. You're right, this book probably should have come out five years ago <laughs> because we should have seen this coming. And, and um, that's why I think that especially as Christians, but just as citizens, we need to wake up to what's going on around us and don't be, be be rocked to sleep because we think that we don't know what to say. Be intentional about finding truth about, you know, getting, listening to these podcasts and listening to those that are speaking truth, finding where we can uh, access tools that will allow us to speak truth into our children's hearts and minds.
0: You know, one of the things that hit me when I was reading your book and when I was reading some of your statements, um, Brian, um, is that you know, the LGBTQ community is quite um, influential, to say the least, yes. and they're quite powerful. How much pushback have you gotten from them about your statements, but also is, have they launched any kind of legal um, moves against uh, the Radiance Foundation? Yeah, they don't like us
2: (laughs) well i will say yeah we're not loved by lgbtq activists certainly not and that's the this is the heartbreaking part first of all we love everybody yes as Mm -hmm. christians we are called to love every human being but not every human doing yes and so we are able to differentiate that unfortunately we've received death threats Mm -hmm. we've received all kind well you know emails that i could not read um in a podcast or in Mm -hmm. a broadcast yeah the 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 truth of the matter is and we deal and we work with people who actually have come out of that lifestyle i know the lgbt activist community hates when we we talk about that but it's true and it's amazing when they they talk about oh my word i love what you're doing i love how you're addressing this and so we have to because it's one thing for adults to have to kind of sift through some of the stuff but children are ill-equipped even even if you speak into them, I mean, what is a four and five-year-old or a six and seven-year-old in kindergarten, first grade going to say to a teacher? I mean, they're not equipped to do that, and that's why we have to be the ones reaching out and protecting them. And even those who are struggling, um, struggling with same-sex attraction or struggling with gender dysphoria, they need the truth. We have to figure out what is the origin of this, and that's many times when you talk about all things LGBTQ. They never want to talk about the origin of things. Oftentimes, people just want to throw glitter and rainbow and just pretend everything's okay, but everything's not okay. And I think there are times that we miss some of those origin points that explain why there's some of this brokenness, why there's some of the confusion.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We'll be right back with Bethany and Ryan Bomberger. We'll be right back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast.
2: Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com.
0: Okay, we're back with Bethany and Ryan Bomberger. They're the authors of She is She. um, And they're also the founders of the Radiance Foundation. I encourage you to check out the website, uh, the Radiance Foundation. Um, And... But it's very interesting. This book is so beautiful. It's so just very simple. Um, but the first two pages of the book are really s- explain the simplicity of it. So the first page shows a beautiful picture of a girl, and it just says, she is she in big letters. The next page is a wonderful little boy holding a turtle, and it says, she is not he. And then the next couple of pages shows a group of kids, and it says, she is not we. The- I had to laugh because I thought, "Okay, adults who would read this would be offended by this if their Mm -hmm. gender understanding is totally different from this. But why did you decide to make it so simple like this? Isn't simplicity sometimes, if you can get it right,
1: the most profound? We could talk all about, oh, some people are saying they and we, and we could explain this in a lot of words, but I find that sometimes it's just more powerful to get to the point and be concise and... Honestly, I feel like when we peel back so many of the arguments and all of the rhetoric that surrounds what's going on at the end of the day and at the beginning of the day, it's as simple as she is, she, she is not, he, she is not, we, she is, she, right? She's a mother. She's a daughter. She's a sister, not a brother simplicity this you know i feel like we're in a culture where we have all of these discussions and all of these things thrown at us that sometimes we forget that foundational truths are just simple straightforward truths and so i think kids respond to that as well too we don't want to lose them in the discussion and how many discussions on gender radicalism could you keep a fourth grade fourth grader or a four year old involved in, probably not many. So we wanted to make this age appropriate without um, missing the major
0: points. It's interesting because, um, you know, we've heard about the the library sponsoring and school sponsoring things like Drag Queen Story Hour. And right. then um, uh, uh, what's his name? I uh, would to go in and do the Bible study story hour. And he was right. Kirk, was it Kirk Cameron? Kirk, yeah, okay. Kirk yeah. Cameron tried to do the Bible study uh, story hour. Um it, it 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 almost begs the question. It's like you don't even have to ask the question. But you know, it shows how important right. it is for, for women, for females, especially young girls, to embrace their biological gender. Um yes. and you would not think that when you talk about this that would be so subversive and treasonous, but apparently it is today. Yes.
2: Yeah, and here's the tragedy, as a father of four, two of our kiddos are girls. I don't want them to grow up in a world where they're being replaced by guys. I mean, you look at this, the area of sports, it's insane because I mean, you, you have in our culture, the left is always talking about patriarchy, patriarchy, but this is actual patriarchy where guys take over girls positions. Guys take over the the awards and the scholarships and it's happening in pageants. It's happening all over the place where a guy can simply identify. And we to have a Supreme Court justice, for instance, who cannot Simply tell us what a woman is mm-hmm. at the same time. She's saying that the Supreme Court needs more women. Well, what's a woman? She mm-hmm. can't even define it. So it's, it's a way that we have to break through this insanity. But women and girls are the ones who will suffer most mm-hmm. from this broken ideology because they are the ones who are being replaced.
0: You know what? And where and, are the feminists actually uh, standing up for women yeah. in this in well, this issue, in this this debate about transgenderism? Fake feminism
1: folds. Because what they have touted as feminism really means, hey, how can we become more like males? How can we step on males in order to accomplish more? How can we be more like a male? And at the end of the day, like I would say at the end of the day, the beginning of the day, but, um, you know, there's a revelation of God in a female and a revelation of God in males. And there is room for both of us. And there is such beauty. And there's uh, so much influence that comes when we understand that my my body, I have carried children. I have nursed children. My body does things that Ryan's body doesn't do and vice versa.
2: 100% agree with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) and and we should celebrate our differences because there's room for both of us and there's room for different roles and there's room for different um, physical features and feminism uh, really what we've been sold over the decades is a version of fake feminism which doesn't stand up under the pressure and what happens these women are thinking it's okay that this transgender movement is happening and there's no way they can reconcile that with with what I would consider true feminism. I don't even really use that. But the whole word feminism is this this thought that what we're doing is we're moving ourselves forward, we're taking a stand, we're coming up. But the way that we have done this historically has not been a way that will keep us standing. It's saying, hey, we got to step on other people. It is not a, a viewpoint that has allowed us to embrace mm-hmm. the absolute unique, undeniable beautiful differences
0: let's take it out of the political realm and take it into the personal realm Mm -hmm. how would you speak to a person who is born female but then wants to identify as male this gender dysphoria is what psychologists used to call it Um, and now it's something else they I don't know if they've de diseased it but they have certainly um, normalized it Um, uh, their reaction is to give them puberty blockers and all their and surgeries and things like that. So, how do you talk to a person who has this belief that they are in the wrong gender?
2: Well, you know there are a lot of issues in life where there's confusion i mean there 's confusion with those who have eating disorders, and we certainly don't affirm the disorder itself but we try to get to the root of the issue. And we and love and compassion should compel us to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. We don't want further harm to come to this person. You know, Bethany and I, we see, and any Christian should see other human beings as being created in the image of God. And when you see them that way, you want to act and react differently. And so you don't want this knee jerk sort of reaction, which is what's happening right now. Oh, well, of course, you must be this. And here are the puberty blockers. And yes, sure, they're going to harm your body, but you're going to feel better after that, even though every study shows that you actually don't feel better after that. I mean, for instance, in In uh, Netherlands, which has been embracing, of all things, LGBTQ for a long time, there's a prominent study, peer-reviewed study that shows that trans men and trans women, and I'm putting that in quotes, have far higher suicide rates.
0: In the long term, yes. In In the the long long term, term, yes.
2: And this is post-op. And so what we want to say to, to people who are suffering, you know, this kind of confusion is that there is help. And that's why on our on our website, com there are actually resources to those who counsel um, and help find out the origin of this, because a lot of people actually come out of this naturally, even many times without any counseling. But with counseling, they come out of this because they they are able to actually be exposed to truth. But we have this whole attack where they're criminalizing counselors, psychologists and even pastors for actually speaking the truth. About biological gender, you know, it's interesting and because,
0: dangerous. and it's interesting because when I, I'm a from a different generation than you. Um, I'm, you know, maybe a couple. I'm not quite sure, but anyway. <laughs> but when I grew up, it was actually cool for a girl to be a tomboy, and you know, you were, the, you know, and you talk tough, mm-hmm. and you know, you're, you're, you I mean you might wear jeans or you might, I mean, you just, you're just kind of a tomboy-ish kind of thing, and nobody really cared. Every, everybody kind of knew that eventually the girl's going to grow out of it you know, and they, and you know, like I was, you know, I might have been a tomboy as well, but I certainly did grow out of it. But the idea is that they, today, a tomboy, now they're going to give her puberty blockers. Now they're going to give her all sorts of drugs to say, oh, she's really a girl. It's like, but that's not, I mean, she's really a boy. That's not really true. How how did we, I, I kind of, I feel like we've just made this leap into transgenderism without understanding the transition what what happened i think
1: because i'm a christian you know and so my perspective is what's going on in the spirit you know the reality is there's an enemy who will never be a co-heir with the king of kings and the lord of lords when we read the bible we see what his fate is and with urgency and with fervor, he is after the identity of Christ in each of us that are here, because if he can keep us from becoming a child of God and receiving our inheritance and living for an eternity with the God who created us, he will do all that he can do. And I believe his time is short. And so we're seeing um, really a manifestation of, of the strategies that he wants to put in place to identity to, to erase the identity of christ in humanity so when i look at this as a spiritual battle we can see this as a sign of the times yeah. we can see this as you look at the timeline of history this is happening now and when we recognize what's happening we can either be confused by it or we can say yes you know what we know his time is short and he is fighting for every soul that's yeah. why even ryan and i as is- as parents. When we parent, we don't own our kids. Our heart is to steward their souls because we know that what we're experiencing here is a blip in time and that it's an eternity. In in eternity, we're going to have a choice to go one way or the other. And so I think it's a spiritual battle on the identity of christ in each of us and we're watching what's happening because of this timeline history and where we're coming to and i also believe and i tell my children all the time it's not a mistake that you were born now it's not a mistake that i have a different frame of reference than you do and so i know that they can be armed with truth and they can be a voice even
0: at young ages to combat the lies you know i w- oh, go ahead go ahead ryan go ahead
2: What's was going to say about tomboys. I mean, I grew up around a lot of tomboys and it's so tragic because the same people were saying, you know, there are these specific roles and that's, you know, that's a destructive thing to have these gender roles. They're actually reinforcing that. So what's wrong with a girl wanting to play in the mud or wanting to play football or wanting to run around in jeans or I don't know, wear a cap? It's so ridiculous, (laughs) this nonsense that all of a sudden she's not a girl. Yeah, she's just like, you know, our youngest daughter, Aaliyah, she's a warrior princess. There's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) So it's such a shame that people take something that is so normal and so natural and they twist it and they cause this confusion and that's what breaks my heart as a father.:
0: I also want to bring out the idea of fatherlessness, because I don't know if you know Mary Aberstadt. she wrote a book called "Primal Scream," and she really focused on the fatherlessness that is rampant in a lot of the ideologies that are coming up, particularly Black Lives Matter um, and other kind of, uh, you know, gender, uh, 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 identity politics, basically. Talk about the problem of father- fatherlessness. Oh, um, and what that may have to do with the problems we're seeing with young people not understanding who they are in their male or femaleness. Right. It's an epidemic. It's
2: it's everything. I mean, it's why we, we have a culture right now that can't see the complete picture because we've it's been dismantled. The father being taken out of the home, you've got this ideology from fake feminism that somehow mm-hmm. you know, men and women are, are interchangeable. We're not. I mean, we have, I mean, God designed family for a reason, an intact married family with a mother and a father. And those are the environments where children best flourish. This is not downing single parent homes at all, but it's its about talking about what is the ideal situation. And when we first started the ratings Foundation, we realized how, we can't talk about abortion without talking about the epidemic of fatherlessness. I mean, it is the reason for this culture of abandonment where we say, you know what, man, you're not really needed. We're good. And so what ended up happening in the sixties, you had fatherlessness rate in the black community at 25%. And today it's over 70%. I mean, it's devastating. The, the impact of father absence, regardless of beautiful hue of skin is so devastating to children. Children who grow up in single female led homes, for instance, are five times more likely to grow up in poverty I mean, it has such a devastating effect. And and with gender formation and with understanding who you are as a girl, girls feel so much more protected and affirmed Mm -hmm. when there is an involved father in their life. Oh my word, why are we trying to strip that away and pretend that it doesn't matter? You can have two moms, you can have two dads, you can have one mom, you can have, I don't know, five dads. I mean, it's so absurd because we're taking away, as Bethany was talking about, just the simplicity and the profundity of truth when we dismantle what God's designed, and He designed us to flourish best in families.
0: Um, and I also want to give parents some ammunition here, because what can parents do? I mean, you're up against. If it hadn't been for the COVID shutdown, a lot of parents wouldn't know what's going on in the public schools. They just wouldn't. Be, right. But because the kids were home and they were listening to some of this stuff, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a second. What are you? What are you? What are you teaching my kid? So, but what can parents do? Because a lot of them are up against a system that is just designed to keep them out. Yes. And
1: even though that system is designed to keep them out for many years as being in the public school system, in private school system, I'll tell you what, the parents that were calling me, emailing me that were in the school office, those squeaky wheels, they got the oil, you know? They were heard Their Their voices were heard. A lot of times we feel defeated before we're even speaking out. Now, I know that then there's a fear of if I speak out, I'm going to be on this list and that list. But as the as a parent, it is our role to not just see what's going on. And like you said, at COVID, we began to see it, but not turn the other way and pretend it isn't happening. Be involved, read the policies that are coming out. If you don't know where to find them, go into the office and ask, do some Google searching. You know, when we are, we're living in Loudoun County and as things are coming out in, uh, in school board meetings and such, we're hearing parts of the stories, but we have to be intentional about digging deep and finding out what is passing and why we have to keep talking to our children, even when they don't really, you know, might not want to talk to us, find ways to stay involved, continue to work on loving relationships and also continue to uh, be the voice of reason and truth. Even if you think your children don't want to hear it, I know that there is a standard. Well, my prayer is that my children, Because we've spoken so much about these issues and because we are very intentional about having a biblical uh, worldview, that my prayer is that this will be a standard by which they're going to weigh all of the information that's coming in. When they have a a foundation that um, and and things are happening around them, they might not know exactly how to respond to that stuff, Mm -hmm. but they're going to, in their hearts and in their souls, they're going to feel a discomfort. And the goal is that they would then engage and be intentional about figuring out what's truth and what is not.
2: And we've engaged here locally. We've engaged in the school board meetings, spoken at the school board meetings. We've actually held discussions with parents in the area on how to frame some of these discussions, because as Bethany mentioned earlier, having the confidence to know how to engage in these these really difficult conversations. This fight here in Loudoun County is a long, it's a long battle, but we've had some great victories. And so parents need to be encouraged. You are the most important adult in that child's life. And the school should never have, you know, a place of, of importance above you ever. And they should never be able to cut you out. And so we have to keep, in, keep being engaged and keep finding out how do we discuss these things and how do we dismantle some of these lies. And it's an amazing partnership that we have here at Loudoun County. And I'm sure the, the case is the same across the country because this is a
0: battle Oh, everywhere. absolutely. I mean, you can do little bits at a time because one of the things that some of these school boards are grappling with and some of these parents is, you know, should should the school allow the child to gender transition without telling the parent? Think about it. Most schools, yep. like, you can't give a child an aspirin without a child without a parent's permission. Now they want to talk, talk about gender transition without talking to the parents or abortion. Mm-hmm.
1: I I worked in Philly schools for years. And uh, Planned Parenthood would come into the classroom because I was a legal teacher. I used to have to stay when they would give their chats, and I hated it at the time. But now, doing what we do now, I realize that um, that is very valuable. I was part of what was going on in the school, so I don't just talk about it. I could talk about I lived through it. And they, there was, you know, Planned Parenthood folks that would come to the door and say, "Hey, do you have any girls that quote unquote need counseling?" And they would actually take them off campus and if they were pregnant funny they would no longer be pregnant anymore within you know when as time went on there is a system that planned parenthood has set up so that they can circumvent adults And as we've seen the overturning of Roe and the changing over to chemical abortion, what we've also seen is Planned Parenthood taking on this gender issue and doling out, you know, these puberty blockers. Why? Because they have mastered a system that will bypass the parents and engage with the students and the students feel affirmed and the students feel like oh this is my savior this is my deliverance mm-hmm. out of whatever I'm feeling this is what I want to do and so they are moving forward and it is their goal to be the premier uh, premier you know healthcare quote unquote Hmm. system that's allowing children to have these puberty blockers. And they're saying, Hey, if you change your mind, we can flip the switch and go backwards. No, you can't just like with an abortion, you can't go backwards. You'll never be the same person that you were, but it's frightening. And people need to know that this is decades. This has been decades, uh, in the makings to have a system that is working the way
0: it is. Wow, okay, Ryan, uh, Bethany and Ryan Bomberger, The book is called She is She. It's a book about your identity, but this is just the starting point of the Radiance Foundation. This is you've, you're it's so much larger than this book, but the book will get you started. Uh what's the website for um the Radiance Foundation? radiance.life l-i-f-e radiance.life radiance.life and uh people can find out more information about the foundation about all the social media pages about a lot of Mm -hmm. the things that are going on and one thing i forgot to ask you about and i want you to talk about this uh real quickly um ryan is uh factivism journalism what is that about yes
2: you know for when we first started the radiance foundation i was I was naive and thinking, oh, these mainstream media outlets are going to love my story of adoption. They're going to love the fact that I'm an adoptive dad. They're going to love that. You know, I come from a, a racially putting in quotes, racially mixed because we're all one human race, racially mixed family. They're going to love that story. And then I realized really quickly, no, they don't. <laughs> they didn't care. <laughs> and they didn't care about basic facts. I remember when The New York Times interviewed me and they said, these numbers sound crazy and this sounds conspiratorial. And I said, this is actually from the CDC. And I, wow. I, I was blown away that the journalists, so-called journalists, didn't know. And so that's when I realized, look, I'm a factivist. Activism is great in in the sense that I want people to perceive injustice and do something about it. However, we can't be solely driven by emotions. Emotions don't set us free. Truth does. And so that's why we're factivists. And that's why one of our slogans, in fact, you can't see it because you know we're on radio, but it says <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that says "less activism, more factivism."
0: Cool. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith, Faith Podcast. This has been really wonderful to talk with you. And um, and hopefully people will get your book and check out the Radiance Foundation uh, website. It's really wonderful. It's it's been an honor. Thank you so much. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day.
2: Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.